Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of my least favorite developments over the last year with Penn State football was the fact that last season they decided, eh, we're not going to give you a depth chart anymore. One of my favorite things in the world are depth charts. It organizing the world, making sense of everything. I I love it. It's BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, and Greg Pickle has given that to us. He's doing the legwork, so come this fall, everyone knows where everyone likely stands on the depth chart. Uh, and that's what we're doing today, Greg. We're going to go through your depth chart article, and we're going to go through everything from quarterback to safety and give everyone the lay of the land heading out of spring practice. So how are you doing today? And thank you for doing uh, for doing some good work there. It's another Monday, T. Frank. We're off and running, and Penn State coaches continue to hit the road recruiting. But as you note, we still have some ter- current team news to talk about. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a good time to take a look at the depth chart and where things kind of stand coming out of spring practice. We know that some positions are pretty well set. Others are not even close to that. And I think one thing I should note, T. Frank, before we get rolling here is, so this is a depth chart based on what we saw during the spring. So if you go visit BlueWayIllustrated.com and look at that, uh, article, you're not going to see PJ Mustaper because he did not participate in spring, of course, you know. So that's a pretty important qualifier as we get ready to go here. But as you uh, could have read in Nate Bowers' interview with PJ Mustaper um, at BlueWayIllustrated.com, it sounds like he's hopeful to be ready for the summer. So I would expect that the next time we do this uh, kind of an article, T. Frank, he's going to be in it. Yeah, so as as you said, this is reflective of uh, spring practice, and so there are other names that you're not going to see on the roster. This is not predictive. This is just sort of a status update. So you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. Great. Before we do that, subscribe to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Psych! Make sure you get BlueWhiteIllustrated.com for just $1. Get 12 months of access to premium content so that you can have conversations with other Lions Den message board members. You can get recruiting information like uh, Greg just said. Coaches are on the road right now. What's going on? What are they doing? Where are they at? We get you that information, bluewhiteillustrated.com, in premium articles and on the message board. Okay, some speech is over. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Hit notification, and we love you on podcasts. Thank you for everyone listening. Uh, Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts as well. Quarterbacks, let's get into it because the quarterback situation is always top of mind. So not a lot of movement here, but let's talk about the quarterback room. What did you see in spring? Well, so I think the biggest takeaway is, T. Frank, is that everyone wants their, I shouldn't say everyone, but many Penn State fans want Sean Clifford to have someone uh, overtake him for the starting job. And I think as we saw during the spring, it's just not going to happen. I mean, I think that he is clearly the leader of that clubhouse and Christian Bayou is is looking better. And I think he's going to be a solid backup, as we saw uh, during the Rutgers game last year. And then with Bo Prabula uh, and Drew Aller, 
you know, Perbola seemed to be a little bit ahead of Aller, but I don't think it's a huge deal heading out of the spring. And, you know, ultimately, those guys are your future. We all know that. That's all been uh, very well established over the course of the last, what, uh, year, basically, uh, as long as those guys have been committed. So, you know, but I, I don't think they're ready for prime time yet. So, you know, the big takeaway for me there is that Sean Clifford's your guy, and uh, Penn State fans have to be ready to accept that if they haven't already. Yeah, and there was no... It was a limited view that we got of like real work when it came to the quarterbacks. Right. I think there were some encouraging things for all of them, including Sean Clifford. But for Christian Veyu, it was very much uh, a time to see some things that we hadn't seen before, including right. parts of his game that didn't show up in the Rutgers game. And however you feel about how he did there, it was so narrow of a sample size that you really can't take anything from it. And just like the same thing with the blue-white game, but if you put those two together, kind of like I described it like looking through a keyhole. Like, you're trying to, like, see what's going on in the room, and just the more things change, the more you can get a little bit more information without seeing practice and everything else. So I think you described that uh, situation perfectly. So the running backs are up next, and this room, I was a little surprised, i got to be honest, Greg, with, with how you laid this one out. So how'd this start? How'd this finish for you? Yeah, so, I mean, the running back room is fascinating because you have so many guys there who are capable of playing. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the list right now of how we had this laid out. I mean, I don't know how Jaywan Sider is going to uh, split up Devin Ford, Nick Singleton, and Keytron Allen. We saw all of them do some nice things in the blue-white game, T. Frank. So, I have them all listed as the, the primary backup to Kevon Lee, who is the starter, uh, in my mind, until he's overtaken, uh, yeah. if he is overtaken at some point down the road. But, you know, Kaziah Holmes, I still Still can't quite figure out what to make of him. We didn't see him at all last season. Uh, he was at spring practice, but he did not participate in the blue-white game. So I would have to think these guys have all passed him at this point. So I could certainly be wrong. And I know that, you know, of the position groups where people expect transfer portal movement, running back is probably one that uh, everyone had highlighted, but nothing happened. So they're going to go into the 2022 season with, uh, barring anything late-breaking, a uh, very strong room there. And I do think it starts with Kevon Lee, and then we'll see where it goes from there. So, yeah, that that is an interesting area. You bring up the injury or whatever, you know, whatever the situation. I, it's an assumption that there was some sort of thing that kept uh, Kaziah Holmes out of the blue-white game. He does right. feel like the odd man out in that situation, uh, but no movement in the transfer portal, and that was an area where I know a lot of people were speculating somebody might leave via the transfer portal. So is this a is this a situation where everyone's going to play do you think or is this a situation where it's going to just be you know whatever happens happens what do, what do you see yeah, there so, yeah so i think the big thing to me t frank is that we all know that if you I, at least in my opinion if you have don't have one starter and you feel like you have multiple starters it's probably because you don't have one starter who can carry the load uh, in the way that you need to to win so I prefer at all positions you know this is always drove me nuts about the offensive line when you know they had multiple guard starters and it's like well if you yo, know, you need one guy to kind of be the one that's in charge of that position right. so um, you know but running back obviously we've seen how the game changes in terms of how teams use multiple guys so no I would expect you're going to see maybe the first guy get 50% of the carries and then two guys maybe split the other 50% that's left. I could see that very easily. Um, but ultimately, we know that Jay Sider and Mike Yersich are going to put whoever is the hot hand at the moment out there. And that could be just about any of these guys as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it, I think one thing to point out too for Penn State fans, when you look at that depth chart and you see all those names that you know, 
just remember how many times running backs have gotten injured over the last two right. to three seasons. So having that many guys, I, that is not how it's going to look by the end of the season. That, there's no right. way that that's how that looks going into week seven or eight of the season because of things that have happened. Uh, let's right. move on to the receiver position. I think this one's a little bit more clear in terms of the players that are starting. Where they're starting I, is what I'm interested in. And I want to get your um, kind of your thought on why you put players where they are on the depth chart here behind yeah, other so, players. Yeah, so I mean when you look down this list here, obviously one thing that's worth noting is that despite my little rant at the beginning, <laughs> um we did include Parker Washington here even though he was not really uh didn't seem to be going full contact and I'm not sure why that was the case but we saw it all spring. Yeah. So, I mean, he's on our list here, but you know, obviously he wasn't as active during the spring as other guys were, but I mean, T Frank, I just went back and looked at the blue white game. And use that as kind of a guide to see who replaced who and how often guys played. And to me, I mean, I think you have a big four here of Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith, Mitchell Tinsley, and uh, Malik Mega. And then after that, you know, I could see just about any of these other guys really finding a role. It's just a matter of who's going to win it. Will it be Harrison Wallace? Will it be Liam Clifford? Will it be Caden Saunders? Will it be Jaden Dotton? Will it be Omari Evans? I mean, there's guys there for sure. Uh, the question just becomes... You know what happens uh, come the fall because I think that this group did a good job of starting to separate itself a little bit uh, during spring practice. But I think we all know that you know fall camp is going to play a major role in how this ultimately shakes out for Taylor Stubblefield as well. Yeah, and it was uh, an interesting situation. One of the things that kind of like we'll get to the offensive line in a little bit, um, or the defensive line when it comes to like who replaces certain players. Mitchell right. Tinsley kicked into the slot, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, you wouldn't think that of a guy who's 6'1", 6'2", over 200 pounds to be in that position. But Penn State does have a plethora of boundary receivers, all the way down yeah. to Harrison Wallace, who's not the biggest guy in the world, but he is a vertical threat, which is usually where you put that boundary receiver. So there is the flexibility and there is kind of the, the positional versatility with a couple of guys. But I yeah. think you're you're spot on when it comes to where those things line up. It's always interesting with receivers when you've got that inside outside sort of conversation. Um, yes. And again, if you're if you're listening to this on the podcast version, we're doing our best to tell you everything on the screen. But this is another one of those visual heavy things where I'm showing you the depth chart on YouTube. So great time to go right. over and check out the YouTube video uh, to see all of the pretty sights and lights and sounds that I put up here. So we're moving on to tight end. This one, not as hard at all. It all. Yeah, we one can, slide. Uh, I think you have probably more to say about this than I do. I mean, yeah, this group is, you know, I went back and looked at the depth chart that we did on blueillustrated.com prior to the Outback Bowl, T Frank, and I just copied and pasted it right in what I had <laughs> from that because nothing has changed here. Look, Khalil Dinkins and Jerry Cross are the two guys we don't have listed here. Obviously, we'll see what happens with them, but I just don't think there's any question that Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, and Tyler Warren are going to be your main three to start, and we'll see uh, what order they go in, but I would expect that to be the order for the time being. Yeah, so just a couple of things I've seen on film. Uh, Jerry Cross is still very raw, like a lot of mental errors when he was on the field and trying to get through plays. So I would, despite his physical advantages of being super big, super fast, super strong, uh, I, I would not put him anywhere near the starting lineup, the two deep, anything like that. And Khalil Dinkins right. to me is super interesting because he's, he still looks like a receiver, so he's a guy that I think from a physical standpoint, he was doing some interesting things. He might be a guy that you can put in there as kind of a flex, 
but how do you justify taking any of those guys off the field? Where you've got Tyler Warren as the dark horse of the group who's setting records in the weight room for tight ends. you got Theo Johnson, who is the, the physical specimen. Can he put it all together? And then you got the do-it-all guy who's a pretty good receiver and a very good run blocker, at least last year, in Brenton Strange. So, yeah, I, I think any if you mix and match any of their skills, you get a good tight end. It's just who competes for the targets? And right. the person who's getting those targets, have they become a good enough run blocker that they have to stay on the field? Because at that point, now you're getting into packages and sub packages and things like that. So I think the versatility there is the most important thing in that room. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, T. Frank. And I think that you're going to find a better product on the field from Ty Howe and the tight ends this fall. I really do believe that. Yeah, uh, there's there's just too much talent. And right. uh, speaking of maybe not too much talent, but more talent than there was uh, previously, the offensive line, depth issues, but we are getting into the depth chart here. So here on the offensive line, uh, what did you see when you were watching the blue-white game? Well, so the biggest thing to me, T. Frank, is number one, I think the interior battle is going to be fascinating, but our depth chart doesn't reflect it because, again, we used what we learned in spring practice as our guide, which yeah. means Hunter Norzad wasn't there. But I don't know about you. Well, I'll be curious to hear your take on this, but it's hard for me to believe that you're going to have one of Sal Wormley, Landon Tangwall, and Hunter Norzad not starting for Penn State this year. But guess yeah. what? Uh, there's no way around it. Unlike, you know, I, there's nowhere to move any of those guys to. I mean, obviously, I know that one response would be, well, put Tangwall at tackle and don't play Caden Wallace. But Penn State likes Caden Wallace. He's yeah. going to play tackle. Uh, we've been down this road, what? but feels like a thousand times this conversation it's not <laughs> yeah. going to change um so to me i think when you look at the the group that comes out of the big uh, the blue white game in spring practice it's olu fashanu from left to right uh you know salim warmly and landon tangwall to guard spots drew scruggs at center and kane wallace on the other side so you know do i think there's a chance hunter norzak can beat one of those two guys out yes i do um but obviously it's going to be quite the battle and you know like we said it's surprising, but true, T. Frank, that one of those guys is not going to be a starter for Penn State in 2022. Yeah, and the I'm having a hard time, and somebody asked me, because I did a, a, I broke down the offensive tackles on Saturday and their performance in the blue-white game, which is a little difficult when you're going up against pass rushers that are not allowed to hit the quarterback, so they cannot go with intent. Right. Uh, and then you're seeing Adisa Isaac only going in during thud periods. So are these guys being challenged? Caden Wallace was facing Nick Tarburton. And Nick Tarburton is getting the, you know, courage award, the toughness award. James right. Franklin saying like he needs to get better as a pass rusher and open up his toolbox and put some more things in there. But they look good. Like I, yeah. I think for, for Penn State fans, if you want to check out that article, bluewhiteillustrated.com, it's a premium article. You do got to subscribe for it. But uh, I think Caden Wallace put in the work this offseason to be a good tackle. Uh, the, the question was always um, not like... He was not at a level that you thought was acceptable last season, personally. I, you know, watching him play, he did not look like he was comfortable in space. And there were some things that were pretty raw about him trying to block in that area. But with better athleticism, there, there was always the room for improvement with a guy who has talent like Caden Wallace. Uh, like he, uh, Wallace. And that happened this offseason. So, not that you're going to get an elite player, but if you get a player that's just on board average acceptable like that's yep. kind of what you need from one of the guys on the line of scrimmage so I don't have any I, I don't have any problem with Caden Wallace sticking at tackle the part that is the problem and I think we all know this is the backups right Greg 
because yep. when you look at what they did in the blue-white game, J.B. Nelson and Landon Tangwall and Jimmy Crist all took snaps at left tackle. And right. two of those guys are not going to see the field next year, in my opinion. Right. <laughs> so, like, you're, you're back Unless up tackle. Unless something's going horribly wrong, T. Frank, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I shouldn't say that because that's exactly where they found themselves last year. But right. uh, you're going to be getting reinforcements this uh, this summer. So some of that depth at the interior position does give you the flexibility to move some guys to the outside in backup roles. And Tangwell is the most logical one of those guys. So if there's some situation where one of the tackles gets injured, I do think you have built-in depth to withstand that. Because Tangwall is definitely the backup, at to me, at either position. You're not putting... Yeah. Maybe Norzad comes in as your backup right tackle. But, I mean, your your front five are going to be... I think maybe the best collection of physical talent that Penn State's had in a long time, probably yeah. since uh, the 2018, maybe 2019. And uh, it's just about getting those guys to learn to play together and maturing some of the young guys before it's too late, you know, before right. their inexperience loses you games. So I'm always, I feel like I'm the most optimistic person on the offensive line out of anyone who watches or, or covers this stuff. Uh, are, I know you're in the you're in the camp of got to see it first, right? Yes, correct. Right. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I felt like I look if I look back over the last uh, six years of preseason articles, they would probably be there. Are more, there are certainly multiple issues of uh, you know of uh, writing about how the offensive line is going to be better this year, and here's why, and this guy's going to step up, and blah blah blah. And T Frank, it just I've been burned too many times, so yeah. I am in the wait and see camp. And do I believe in filter outline? Yes. And do I think that this group has the physical talent to get it done? Yes. Um, is it all their fault? No. Right. But, um, you know, all of that said, I just need to see it in action before I'm willing to go all in on thinking that the offensive line will be something we're, on, we're not talking about as a problem next year before this year even begins. Yeah. And I can talk myself into the fact you got two redshirt freshmen on the left side of the line and you've yeah. got a guy who's starting his first year at center after bouncing right. all over the place. So, like, the from the center to the left, that could be a problem if things don't break right for Penn State. But, you know, I betting on upside is something everyone loves to do. Right. Which... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's not a lot of upside to me on the defensive line, Greg. Like, right. I, I know there's a lot of players, but do, uh, do you feel that way? Uh, yeah, so I have concerns about the off or the defensive line too, T. Frank. I really do. I mean, so Adisa Isaac being back is great. And by the way, if you check out BlueIllustrated.com, the newsstand this morning, uh, Penn State football Twitter account did a really good video of Isaac and his mom and the story of their family that I recommend everyone checking out. You get to know him a little bit better. But um, but yeah, I mean, the concerns I have with the defensive line are, I mean, I don't know if I'd go quite as far as where you're going, but I mean, Zariah Fisher's now out, so you have Tarburton, you have Vanover, you have Isaac, uh, you have Smith-Vilbert, and you know, you obviously feel good about Zane Durant and Hakeem Beeman and Jordan Vandenberg inside, but um, you know, there was all this hope last season 
um, with Arnold Lepichetti and with Derek Tangelo, that Penn State was going to get a big push from its pass rushers. And obviously, Jesse Lucchetta was great, too. But I think it might be a little bit underrated, T. Frank, that we're not talking about enough how much they're going to miss those guys. Uh, yeah. I know Tangelo was not drafted the same place that uh, Ebiketti was, of course, and Lucchetta. But, I mean, ultimately, I, I just feel like that is – they lost more production there than – maybe it's being talked about as losing, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, and I think that, you know, Nick Tarburton's a great player, but he was kind of passed over last year by a guy playing defensive end for the first time in Jesse yes. Luketa. So yep. uh, that's my concern there. Isaac is back, but will he have any long-term health issues? We'll see. Do I think he can be a stud? Yes. Do I want to see it first? Absolutely. And then inside, I feel pretty good about where they're at, but at the same time, T. Frank, and, you know, let's not forget – uh, again, Damian Robinson's coming to Penn State to play yep. defensive end. That could be the the spark they really need there, but we don't have him on our depth chart because he was not here for spring. But, I mean, uh, put it all together, and, yeah, I think there's plenty of potential there, but it's a lot of, uh, you know, we need to see it realized first as well. Yeah, and that's, I guess, to me right now, the, the, this group is what I was talking about of the guys we saw in spring. Yeah. Uh, they are stacked at three-tech. Izzard, Beeman, Durant. That is the depth chart here for people listening on, on the podcast version. That is a good group of players. At defensive end, Adisa Isaac, Smith, Vilbert, Amin, Vanover, and then Nick Tarburton and copy and paste. So that's the part, and, and you laid that out perfectly, of guys that you are a little concerned about. Where P.J. Mustafer comes back in the season, when he comes back, how he comes back is going to determine a lot of that one technique position. But uh, Devon Ellis, Jordan Vandenberg, guys have taken steps this spring as well. But if you look at historically, and I was going back and looking at 2019 and looking at how Penn State's defense was in that year. And this is really what I my, my point is to try and figure out how you replicate success with Sean Clifford at quarterback. Because, you know, there, I was digging into this is a total tangent, digging into some of his stats and how much better he was from 2019 when they were a winning team that was yeah. maybe ha a half away from being in the college football playoff discussion versus what they might be next year. And can you replicate some magic there? And one of the things they had was four deep at defensive end getting pressure on the quarterback with guys that were like the 36th overall pick and up with, uh, you know, uh, Adafi Owe, Shaka Tony was in that group. You had uh, Isaac, I think, was a part of that group. You had Yitor Gross Matos and Micah Parsons. So you had a lot of ways to get to the quarterback. You could have three good ones here. But you could also have a true freshman, a transfer, and a guy that hasn't played in a long time, and <laughs> yeah, it's 244 right. pounds. Yep. So, like, this is kind of like the offensive line. I could see this group coming together, and you've got three deep at three tech. You can have all kinds of pass rushers coming from all kinds of places. Or you could have guys that don't quite turn the corner. you got a lot of tantalizing upside that's a year away. And, right. and that kind of, like, offense-defense dichotomy does that click this year. That's kind of where I'm looking at as far right. as the the missing ingredient that's going to make this team or break this team next year is how those defensive ends mature, and obviously the offensive line, which we talked about. Um, right. That's a huge thing to me. And right now, the guys on the roster, it's not, as, it's not great. It's not great. Yeah, it's a concern area. No question about it. Just like linebacker we're going to talk about in a second. Same thing, as far as I'm concerned. You have more bodies at defensive line uh, across the board, T. Frank, but... It's a challenge. There is no question it is a challenge that Penn State's going to have to, again, if everything goes the way they want it to, they'll be fine. 
they yeah. will be totally fine. But, you know, again, it's it's hard to sit here on May 9 and project that everything's going to go according to plan on September 1st because, you know, again, we're dealing with a lot of guys we just haven't seen much of yet. Uh, so we've had a complete mechanical failure for the defense. We're just going to talk through the rest of the depth chart. We're all of, <laughs> I spent like two hours making these things and all of a sudden they're not working. So uh, linebackers are up next and this one would love to have the depth chart because look it's on your face that was, it was, yeah, you had that look on your face that was definitely a sign of, oh no, uh, something has gone wrong. So yeah, let's move into to the linebackers. I, where, try, uh, I try very hard to be look, look like a duck. But uh, sometimes I'm uh, I'm just flailing, uh, just yeah. flailing, trying to do both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, go ahead okay. with linebackers. Yeah. So, you know, again, this is a spot where I think there's been some quiet confidence coming out of Penn State after spring practice about what they have at the linebacker spot. But I just have some weird feeling, T. Frank, we're going to see a lot of four two five. Like if your expectation is that. Abdul Carter and Keon Wiley, we need them to get to campus to come in and be able to compete right away. That's a problem. I'm sorry. That is yeah. a problem. I know they think very highly of those two guys, but that is an issue. And when Dominic DeLuca, a walk-on, is your uh, defensive player of the blue-white game, which, look, it happens. It, it is what it is. But I don't know, man. I, I just think that, you know, Curtis Jacobs, Jonathan Sutherland, uh, Kobe King, Tyler Elsden, which, by the way, Elsden was not part of the blue-white game, so we didn't really yeah. feature him much in this depth chart. But um, I just, I, they're light. I can see a lot of four, two, five and other yeah. sub package defense in Penn state's future this year. Yeah. To me, that's the story of this upcoming season is they've got to find a way to effectively use different tools rather than staying in yeah. what I think a lot of Penn state fans have been, uh, gotten used to truthfully going, they have been a little bit spoiled with the number yeah. of linebackers that they've played on the field that can hold up in coverage versus what other teams have been able to do. Uh, it is it, the most interesting thing to me, and we're going to get to this when we get to the, the cornerbacks, is who those sub-package players are. What is the, uh, what is the dynamic of right. that 11th spot? But at the linebacker position, you know, we were talking about this. Jamari Budden played Will and Sam during the Blue-White game, so is... Where's his primary position and where does Charlie Catcher fit in with the injury situation? And right. does he move back once you get those guys that are clearly box linebackers, clearly will linebackers or Mike linebackers when you have Wiley and Carter coming in in the fall? So there's a lot of questions in that area. Is yeah. there enough to this can work? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's the case. You know, Again, you know, uh, the Penn State fans are kind of tired of hearing about, you know, that Jonathan Sutherland's moving to Sam linebacker and that's going to work, but they need it to work. What question, like what choice yeah. is there at this point? Like you can say all you want about how he's, you know, not great in coverage. Well, that's true, which is why they moved him up to the Sam right. linebacker spot. And as long as he can tackle, which he's never really shown any issues with that, that I can recall, I think it's going to work out fine. So, uh, here's the problem, T. Frank, as we go through this, what are we in like 25, 20, 25 minutes of this show? I mean, how yeah. many times now have we, have we said that, well, if no, I mean, or said some variation of, I'll just say it bluntly now. Uh, well, if no one gets hurt, everything will be fine. Uh, if there's no injuries, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything will be okay. I mean, that's kind of where we're at with this Penn State team right now, yeah. which is concerning. There's no question about it. Um, there are a lot of key spots where you have one guy or a couple guys you can trust. And then everything else, you know, behind them is either a project or a young player who hasn't done it yet. So, you know, I throw linebacker into that category as well. 
Yeah, you're, that's a good point. Whenever you're before the season, I used to do this all the time uh, with with my Buffalo Bills in the mid two thousands of like, sure. okay, so if 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 X Y and Z happen. Uh, then it'd be all right. Like they're a competitive team. And it's like, you're thinking that this laundry list of ifs is going to go your way. That right. never happens. So half the things we've talked about won't happen. A couple will, but that's just the way that kind of that works. It would be a very rare instance where every single one of the players that needs to take a massive step forward actually does. Right. It might, but it might land somewhere in the middle. And I think that's the interesting thing at linebacker. You only need... And I say need two. You only need two linebackers where you've got to have your mic and your will. And if you can have, they've got three options for that to work. Right. Uh, the, the one that's locked in is Curtis Jacobs at the will position. I thought he looked good in the blue-white game. He looked comfortable as, as opposed to his first time in the Outback Bowl. And then it becomes one of those two Mike linebackers. Do they uh, turn it on? Does one of those right. guys turn it on to the level of being a dependable good starter there because the guys that are going to be making plays Greg are all in the secondary right that's how this defense is set up and Sutherland whether you count him as a safety or linebacker doesn't matter that that position now is a 210 pound athlete running in space right so that's how that's going to work out now let's move on to the corner position because it's very interesting it'd be great to have a, a visual up here for you uh, of the corners because there's a surprising backup to the starters, Joey Porter Jr. and Kalen King. So take me through what you saw in the uh, in the blue-white game and through the spring. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, obviously, look, Penn State feels like it has three starters at corner, and Joey Porter Jr., Kalen King are the two of them, and then Daquan Hardy is your off-use slot guy. Um, now, look, could he beat uh, Kalen King out for the starting other corner role? Yeah, I guess. But, I mean, ultimately, I think, like I said, Penn State's going to have – so many sub packages this year, D Frank, that you're going to see him on the field often, you know, no matter what. So I would say those guys are their three starters. But, you know, one guy who caught my eye in the blue white game was Johnny Dixon. I think that the former, uh, where did he transfer in from? Wherever he transferred in from. South Carolina. Yes. Thank you. Um, showed some good things last year. And I think you're going to see him take on maybe that gunner role on special teams, but mm -hmm. also be a pretty impactful corner uh, for Penn State as well. So I can definitely see him getting some more snaps in. In the fall and I think he's on the progress uh, trajectory if you will that Penn State was hoping for yeah so you've got uh, at least four deep and there's a couple guys we're not really counting in this class right now I know one of the questions you got was Marquise Wilson and right. we, I mean where do you put Marquise Wilson is he for sure at corner we haven't really that's kind of the the reason he's not on this list is kind of where does he fit and is he up to speed at corner right yeah, correct. So, I mean, he's still listed on, I'm looking at it right now, he's still listed on the athlete or uh, on the roster as an athlete. Now, I believe Terry Smith told reporters uh, during the spring that he is just back at corner 100%. I could be wrong about that. I will have to check. But, you know, I think he's back to just playing corner now. Penn State has obviously a gut of receivers, so yeah. I don't think they need him there anymore. Um, and I'm not really sure. None of that made sense to me to begin with. But at any rate. Um, there wasn't anybody to back up Parker Washington is how I read it. Is right. Parker Washington yeah. played like like 97% of the snaps they wanted to right. see if he could be that slot guy and now they don't need that because they've got as you mentioned depth right so at this point you know I think he's back at corner and he could certainly find his way onto you know again I think that uh, sometimes when you do these kind of articles T Frank they're looked at as well you're you know are you projecting or are you and we're, again we're just working off what we saw this yep. spring we have what four 
uh, two, three, four months to project at this point. And we yeah. will uh, at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. But uh, for now, we're just working off what we saw. And we saw more of Dixon than Marquise Wilson. So that's why I ended up going with him. And then uh, the safety position to round out the show, because this is going to be a this is going to be a big old thing when we talk about the safeties. So yeah. who do you have at, uh, you know, at the safety positions and in what order? Well, look, so Jair Brown's number one, right? There's no question about yeah. that. He is the leader of that group. And, uh, you know, I think that he's a guy who can play himself into a first-round draft pick, as far as I'm concerned. So we'll see how that works out. It's not a great safety class next year. You have Brandon Joseph, the kid from Northwestern who transferred to Notre Dame. And I think Brown has every reason to be uh, the second guy I talked about. I think Joseph's probably one, and he's two right now. But So he's going to lead Penn State safeties. There's no question about that. And, I mean, I have Keaton Ellis over Zaki Wheatley right now, but – Man, there's a whole lot that could change between now and September. I think that's going to yeah. be maybe, but the battle between Jalen Reed, Keaton Ellis, and Saki Wheatley might be one of the best ones to follow this summer. I just think that they have so much talent there. And again, uh, when you talk about sub packages, just look at your defense. I mean, yep. yeah, I get it. I know we can sit here and talk all we want about how it's the Big Ten and teams run and blah blah blah. But T Frank, I mean, you have numbers issues at uh, linebacker, and you don't have them in the secondary. So what do you do? You go sub package more often than not and get those guys on the field. So I can imagine that we're going to see a lot of those three guys as well, too. So let me just bring up the list of guys or teams that I would say are are like running teams that uh, focus on Big Ten football. Auburn yeah. is the first one, you know, third week of the season. Uh, would you I, I don't know that I'd throw Northwestern in there as far as like an offensive line or running game. You have to respect now, they can be right. good year to year, but they can also not be good year to year. You have Michigan. That's well, it depends what time of the year you meet them, too, right? Yep. I mean, they, they, it's been known forever that, you know, Northwestern will have its great six-game run and then its horrible six-game run. So you just <laughs> yeah. want to hope you play them during the horrible six-game run. So then you got Michigan and Minnesota, and there you go. That's it. You know, I, right. I we'll see what Michigan State is this year without Kenneth Walker. We'll see what they are mm -hmm. and how they evolve as a team. I'm still waiting to see kind of what, you know, the coaching staff wants to do when they can build a team instead of trying to assemble pieces in the offseason. So you've got like three or four teams. And I know that, you know, it's that is a larger sample of the of the um, of the schedule. But it, the, the dominant part of the schedule is Indiana pass first. Purdue to start the right. season pass first. Ohio State is not a run-dominant team. They'll throw in excellent athletes in space like Penn State does. Maryland, short passing game. Rutgers, not really good at offense. Like You've got all of these teams that are much more geared towards you need to have more athletes on the football field. And this idea that it's the Big Ten and everything's in sepia tone and grass and dirt. Right. And yes, Michigan brought it back last year but they did not the previous eight seasons. So right. let's see what happens next year before we declare the fullback is alive and well. Wisconsin right. and Iowa are not on the schedule this year, and that is, a, is I think, a huge change for Penn State this year. And that safety position, you're right, that's where I think a lot of these sub-packages are going to come because you got such versatile, flexible athletes in that position with a lot of guys yep. that used to play corner. Yep, absolutely. So I think that you're going to see a lot of that this year. And whoever wins that safety job next to Jair Brown, T. Frank, I, I just think it's worth saying that uh, you're going to see 
the other guys as well. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and Manny Diaz had several uh, sub packages last year at Miami. One thing I will right. say is similar is there were a lot of three safety packages, and I'm not talking about their striker position. I'm saying they took either the will or the mic off the field, and they were playing with three safeties. And the, you know, in certain situations where you would want to do that, not on first and four, but you know, right. those situations and. I think that flexibility, especially what I saw from Zaki Wheatley, who has pure corner skills from what I saw in limited sample size of he is patient, he does not bite on routes, he is able to drive on the football. If you can get that sort of skill and you can use that in the slot, all those guys were playing in man coverage in the slot because Pense was so aggressive and blitzing so much and showed us a lot more than I expected in the blue-white game. That makes me wonder, where does Daquan Hardy fit? If you've got guys that have slot versatility that are safeties, you know, he he clearly needs to be on the football field, but where do you put him? Because the whole point of right. these things is that you don't have to substitute as much. So somebody is not going to get playing time in the secondary that deserves it, and that's going to be that battle I think is super fascinating. Yep, absolutely. I am right on board with you, T. Frank, and I think that... Ultimately, as we uh, kind of wrap things up here, it certainly looks to me like Penn State has answered some questions, but James Franklin was right. They got some more to answer before this season starts. Yeah, yeah. And what that all equals out to, is it 7-5? and five? Is it 10-2? Uh, and two? Probably won't be 11-1, right. and one, but, you know, how, right. th- how those questions are answered, that's going to determine a lot of what happens next fall. Any last thoughts before we get out of here, Greg? Anything going on today that you're thinking about or writing about? Yeah, so I guess just stay tuned at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. We have another busy week ahead with uh, some final thoughts on maybe the NFL draft and obviously a lot of recruiting news. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the transfer portal now that graduation is over. We know that no one's in there yet, but you never know. Now that graduation has come and gone, some guys could decide uh, to move on. So we'll see. But as we all know, T. Frank, whenever we think there's nothing coming around the corner, something always pops up <laughs> and we'll have it covered at Blue White Illustrated for sure. Yeah, and especially with recruiting, check out the BWI Daily Recruiting Show coming up tomorrow on Tuesday. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll be back then. Make sure you check out BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, as he said. And once again, subscribe here to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube. If you're listening to the outro music, you like the video, so just give the video a like. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.